Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 13, Glover Teixeira versus Tiago Santos. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. You got an all-Brazilian main event showdown. You got the guy with the second most knockouts in UFC history in Tiago Santos taking on the guy with not only the most finishes in light heavyweight history, but the most submissions in light heavyweight history in Glover Teixeira. And I have a feeling we know exactly what both guys want to do Saturday night, Shaq. 100% man i mean it's plain and simple it's cut and dry it's as clear as it gets and glover to share this guy gets counted out all the time i mean he's the underdog in pretty much the majority of his fights you know he he's he's past 40 uh and he's still you know competing with these young bucks teaching them lessons man you got to respect it and, and tiago santos i mean you know this guy did go to a split decision with john jones so i know he's uh got a lot uh, to prove coming off that performance and, and you know he was injured for the majority of that fight so you know that was very impressive so now we get into this Glover Teixeira fight you know 205 is wide open these days Adesanya's coming up to to 205 to challenge for the belt so uh, I mean look Tiago Santos with a win it could very well be that next contender I mean he did you know uh, put Jan Blakovich down on that canvas in, in Prague Czech Republic so you know we can't forget about that. Very true story I mean, ever since we've seen Jan 2.0, the only man to defeat him, the current UFC light heavyweight champion, is Tiago Maheda Santos. And I have a feeling the winner of this fight between Tiago and Glover is going to face the winner of uh, Jan Blachowicz versus uh, Israel Adesanya. So they're right up there for sure. And to take it a step further, you mentioned the John Jones fight. Tiago Maheda is the only man in MMA history to have one judge score the fight for him against John Jones. So that's uh, that's a record in itself. So I cannot wait to get down to business for this uh, for this card. Now, Shaq, we got to let the fans know that support for Half the Battle is brought to you by Manscaped, who offer the best men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And, Shaq, you already know the deal. You're not trying to deal with any grooming accidents. You want to see exactly what you're trying to work on, get in, get out, get right down to business. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. And their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. And the waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower as well. One of the coolest features is the LED light. You can see this badass light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to 7,000 RPM motor with, Christ, with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. And if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand. So let's get that bush to tush clean, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Make your testies their besties. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. That's all caps. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use battle. Use code BATTLE20. Your balls will thank you. And Shaka, we just want to tell the fans also, if you go ahead and purchase from manscaped.com and you send us a screenshot using that, that promo code BATTLE20, all caps, BATTLE20, not only are you going to get the 20% off and free shipping, but we'll also match it with a, with a Best Buy Picks package. So you go out there, you spend 39 bucks at Manscaped, we're going to hook you up with this week. You spend 50 bucks, we got you on the next two weeks. You spend 100 bucks, we got you for the month. You spend over 100 bucks, we got you for the rest of the year, Shaq. 100% man, Manscaped, 
the number one uh, grooming products out there, man. Hands down, I've been using these products for what a, a few weeks now, and and I see the difference. I mean, it's a uh, it's a game changer, man. You know, when you see these commercials on TV, a lot of times we think, you know, it's complete bullshit. Yeah, yeah, but man, you know, uh, as someone that keeps it real, man, I'm I'm telling you right now, man, this uh, these products are top notch, and like you said, man, it, it's some good value to to get them as well. 100%. So, guys, remember, go to manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Take that screenshot. Let us know you use that code, and we'll hook you up with a matching uh, Best 5 Picks package. Now, Shaq, let's get right down to business. We're going to we're gonna go midway through the prelims, do it all the way to the main event, then we'll come back for some of the early prelims. So, Shaq, first up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Marcos Rogerio de Lima Pezao. He's 17-6, and six, and Alexander Romanov is 12-0. and 0. Currently, they got Alexander Romanov minus 350. The comeback on Marcos Rogerio is plus 290. So, uh, man, I-, I liked Alexander Romanov's UFC debut. I know he was in there with a guy that uh, should be fighting obesity and not an opponent inside the octagon, but still, the way he handled him, I was very impressed with. A 100% takedown rate. And he holds top control really well, attacks with submissions. And you know with a guy like Rogerio de Lima, I mean, he's got no issues tapping the stuff that's not even locked in. And he's been submitted four times in the UFC, been uh, lost six fights overall. But listen, if Romanov decides to you know abandon his uh, Romanian wrestling background, he wants to come out here, stand and bang, that will give uh, Rogerio de Lima a path to victory because Rogerio does hit very hard. But Romanov's not about to come out here and abandon what got him to the dance. He's about to come out here, take this guy down one time, schoolyard headlock him, and finish the fight. So I'm going with Alexander Romanov via first-round submission. Yeah, man. You know, uh, when this fight was, uh, you know, booked the first time, I was a little skeptical. But, you know, now that I got to see him, I mean, I was actually pretty impressed. I, I'm not, uh, you know, to, to go, I'm not about to go sit here, sit here and say, you know, he's a future, you know, champion or future top 10 or any of that. But I think this guy's uh, going to win a lot of fights in the UFC. You know, those Moldovans, you know, in the heavyweight division, they got him and Spivak. You know, they're doing their thing right now, young heavyweights. And, I mean, they, they like the schoolyard uh, headlocks. They got good grappling. And Romanov, what impressed me about him was uh, it didn't seem like he was too tired, you know, uh, implementing that type of game plan. It seemed like his grappling cardio was on point. You know, a lot of big guys like that, you kind of worry like, shit, is he going to get tired, and, you know, completely gas out and then get knocked out? But it seemed like he could have kept going perfectly fine. Uh, De Lima, yeah, you know, big banger on the feet, but... We know that uh, adversity is not my boy De Lima's best friend. I mean, you know, when uh, when the going gets tough, uh, let's just say De Lima will will find his way out of there, man. And I think he only has a puncher's chance within the first like minute or two, man. I, I like I agree. You know, the second uh, Roman Romanov ties up with him and gets him down, it, it's probably going to be over. I mean, Stefan Struve tapped this guy out at you know after a 10-8 round. So and, and like you said, the other three submission losses as well. And I mean. And, and, and they're quit jobs. Let's just be honest here. So uh, we, we got uh, Alexander Romana for the win. And betting-wise, man, I honestly think – I'm not going to say there's value, but I, I think he, he's a lot to win. Yeah, and real quick, uh, just to correct myself, I said uh, Romanian wrestling champ. I meant Moldovan wrestling champ. Uh, the last name kind of confused me there, but we got it right. So next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Trevin Giles. He's 12-2, and two, and Bavon Lewis is 7-2. and two. Currently, they got – Bavon Lewis minus 115 and Trevin Giles is minus 105. So, I mean, dude, I, I think we've 
kind of always thought Bavad has the talent. It's just about getting the seasoning, the experience, and then maybe one day he can blossom into something. And I know the Uriah Hall setback kind of dampered his confidence a little bit, had the Darren Stewart fight, but he finally got his first UFC win. Do you think he's ready to come in here and compete with a guy like Trevin Giles, who definitely has more experience than him? Man, you know, <laughs> this is an interesting fight because, you know, I feel like both of these guys are, are, are very similar, you know, like very athletic, very fast, you know, a lot of athletic tools, athletic gifts, but mentally, uh, you know, things might not be there. But for Bayvon Lewis, man, I'm going to go ahead and say I feel like we should cut this guy a little bit more slack than uh, and this is like, you know, kind of a, a thing I've been seeing a lot in the game, man. You know, these these prospects, they you know, they start comparing them to John Jones and shit, like when they're like three and oh, like Phil Haas and Moises and all these guys and fucking, and you know, whether you think Moises won or, won or lost last, and firstly, he definitely won that fight, but I mean, win or lose, like he, he's been looking the best he has every single fight, but you know, it's one of these things where uh, Bayvon Lewis, I think that they put too much expectations on the kid way too soon. We're talking, he's in there with guys like, you're, you're right. The hall just knocked out Anderson Silva. I mean, like, God damn. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, Darren Stewart. Like, these are heavy hitters, like, real dudes. Like, that, uh, I mean, you saw Darren Stewart's last fight, man. Like, that's a different type of ferocity, a different type of, uh, and, you know, I feel like the Daquan Townshend fight, even though it wasn't the best performance, and he definitely held on in the, held on in the clinch for the majority of the fight, man. I feel like it was a good uh, step forward for Bayvon, man, to get his confidence back after those two, after those two vicious defeats and and then when we get into trevin giles look trevin giles just beat james kraus which is a, a good win i mean trevin giles is athletic he's capable of a lot of things but man i'm questioning the mental big time and look i know i know uh bayvon has some similar issues but i mean this dude lit, I, and look I, I, look look kevin holland's a good fighter but i mean look like kevin said Trevin didn't want to fight, bro. <laughs> and that's the uh, look. He, he look. I, I don't. I know they said he fainted backstage before the fight and and all this stuff. But Dan, you you, you know, between me and you, Trevin uh, found his way out of there. You know, he they said he held his breath and he <laughs> uh, passed out, man. And it's a big red flag to me, man, because I feel like that means he got super nervous. Maybe you know, Kevin Holland had his number. They're from the same area. He. Uh, he knew, but it, it's very skeptical to me. And the James Krause fight, you know, that was just a big size advantage. Look, I mean, he barely won that fight. And James Krause is a welterweight that literally took the fight the day before. Like, and he, I, I thought Trevin should have won by a wider margin. No, James Krause is a good fighter. Don't get me wrong. But Trevin's a solid middleweight with wins over guys like Brendan Allen, Ryan Spann. Like, you know, uh, I was thinking he was going to come out here and honestly floor James Krause. And uh, I mean, that third round was very sloppy, but hey, he gutted it out. But Trevin just makes a lot of stupid mistakes in there, man, especially in the grappling. I feel like Bayvon Lewis could could capitalize there if he wants to use the clinch game plan and the wrestling game plan. And on the feet, man, I feel like Bayvon honestly has equal firepower. You know, both guys are a little chinny, but I feel like Bayvon is going to be a little more cautious, make better decisions while Trevin has his hands down. You know, he likes to woo and do the Ric Flair in there and, and make a, you know, and, and play a lot of games. But to be honest, man, I'm very, I'm not, I'm not that impressed with Trevin Gown skill wise, man. I feel like he makes a lot of mistakes. I feel like he's very sloppy, very athletic, but 
I feel like it's a lack of focus in there, man. I feel like if Bayvon Lewis comes to his full potential, man, he he's the better fighter, and I think he'll and he's gonna win the fight. It's just a matter of uh, you know, that shit of his as well. But I feel like you know maybe he'll be a little bit more confident, uh, you know, now that he's got that first UFC win. So I'm gonna go with Bayvon Lewis. I think he's just the uh, the more higher ceiling fighter. Look, I agree about the higher ceiling. I definitely think Bavon projects to, you know, go further than Trevin Giles. I feel like Trevin Giles is kind of a finished product at this point. It just has, uh, you know, has Bavon caught up yet? That's the big question. That's what we're going to find out Saturday night. But, I mean, we know that Trevin Giles, you know, he will make mistakes on the mat. And I also don't like the stuff you were uh, referencing about how, like, you know, if you hit him in the face and he'll put his hands down and start screaming and start doing the whole bit like his fight IQ is very questionable. So this fight to me is just really about where's Bavon at? If he's caught up, if he's finally ready to, to compete at this level, he should come out here and win. If he still needs a little bit more seasoning, Trevin Giles is definitely the guy to hand him another loss. But I'm going to say that I'm going to say Bavon gets it together and can come out here and kind of edge this one out on the cards. So we'll see what happens. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Giga Chikazi, he's 11 and 2, and Jamie Simmons is 7 and 2. Currently, they got Giga Chikazi minus 600. The comeback on Jamie Simmons is plus 450. So, this is a, you know, striker versus wrestler. Uh, you know, uh, Jamie Simmons is a state champion wrestler from Wisconsin. But man, I still feel like he's got a lot of you know a lot of ground to cover in his MMA game. He's still got to make the transition from wrestling to MMA a little bit better. You know it, it, the striking is kind of non-existent. The jujitsu isn't quite there, but the wrestling is there. He might get a takedown or two. But I gotta say, Giga Chikazi's been really improving in every area of the game. I mean, we already know with these kickboxers, sometimes they don't transition to MMA as well. Like you look at like Gokan Saki, who was like a legend in kickboxing, but he wasn't able to quite make that transition to MMA. But you look at a guy like Izzy Adesanya on the other end of the spectrum, I and mean, he's a world champion about to compete for two belts and i feel like giga kind of falls right in between there he's about in my opinion he's about to be five and zero in the ufc with a victory here saturday and i feel like every single fight we've seen him he's been making big improvements his distance has been really translating in mma he switches stances you know about the giga kick already sounds like a like a uh i was gonna say an austin riley grand slam it sounds like a marcelo zuna grand slam you know what i mean when uh giga chikazi goes out there and kicks these guys to the liver and also, you take him down, now he's attacking with submissions like triangles. Now he's scrambling, getting back up to his feet. He swept Jamal Emmers. I feel like he's making some big improvements. I understand why he's the biggest favorite on the card. And I think Saturday, Saturday night he goes out there, gets his first UFC finish. I think he knocks out Jamie Simmons in the first round. Yeah, man. I'm going to go ahead and say, man, in my honest opinion, I think uh, Giga Chikadze might be a top 15 featherweight, man. Like After that last performance against Omar, Omar was undefeated 13 I forget exactly how uh, how many wins he had, but uh, I mean, just the, I didn't expect it to be that wide. You know, I was expecting it to be a war, man. And he went up there and he uh, he absolutely uh, shut Omar down in a way. I know it was Omar's debut at forty fives, but you know, man, Giga Chikaze, like you said, he's been getting better every single fight. Those, those uh, private lessons with Darius, but you know this. Uh, this uh, translation, man, it took a while. It took a loss to Austin Springer, you know. It took a loss to, you know, I mean, he had to he had to learn. And then, but, you know, around that Jamal Emmer's performance, I know he kind of gassed out, but now he's maintaining his cardio, you know. In the Brandon Davis and Emmer's fights, he kind of got tired in those third rounds, but now he's maintaining his cardio. And Jamie Simmons, uh, you know, solid wrestler, but he's in way over his head here. Uh I see this being actually a vicious knockout. So, you know, uh, unfortunately, Jamie Simmons, this is kind of a squash match, you know. 
Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between the former number one contender, Claudia Gadelia. She's 18 and four, and China's number one prospect, Yan Nan, is 12 and one. Currently, they got Yan Nan minus 145. The comeback on Claudia Gadelia is plus 125. So, man, I feel like uh, Wiley Zhang and Yan Nan are on a collision course to come out here and make the first ever China versus China title fight. I mean, Wiley Zhang has cleared out one half of the division, you know, beating the old guard like Tisha Torres, like Jessica Andrade. I suspect she goes out there and beats Rose Nama Yunus as well. And Yan Nan on the other side, she's going out there beating perennial top 10 fighters like Angela Hill, like Karolina Kovakiewicz. She comes out here, beats the former number one contender. She will be right up there for a title shot. The question is, is she ready to compete with the first black belt she faces uh, in the UFC, Shaq? Yeah, you know, this is a uh, this is an interesting fight. You know, this fight was actually supposed to take place uh, a few months back. Uh, I think maybe in September or so when, you know, Claudia had the injury and, and, and you know, now they rebook it. it. It's a good matchup. This is definitely 100% without a doubt the biggest test of Chanan's career. This ain't no Kovalkiewicz or, uh, you know, Siri Kondo or, <laughs> of, uh, or uh, you know, these girls that she's been fighting. Um, it, this ain't Kylan Curran anymore. Yeah, you know this ain't Kylan Curran or uh, Angela Hill. You know, but but you know it's somewhere around Angela Hill. But you know, uh, this is a it's a good fight because look, there, I'm gonna go ahead and say there's this is probably isn't gonna be one of uh, Yan Chao Nan's typical uh, you know vicious you know significant strike uh, beatdowns, but I mean you know let's just look at where Claudia Gadelia is at. She's been you know top five six you know her whole whole, her whole career and just what i'm seeing lately is like she's definitely still strong she can definitely get the takedowns the black belt and all of that i mean she's definitely that but what i see is like it's either and we're talking about a girl who you know out grappled carla esparza and esparza you know she she out grapples a lot of these girls so the grappling is definitely a worrisome if you're betting chalk on uh on chow nan because i mean she has had her you know, fair share of moments. And, and you know, in that Carolina Kovacavich fights, there's definitely there were definitely some spots where you're like, you know, look, Claudia could definitely take her down there. But you know, uh what I see with Claudia is just a mismanagement of like her energy in a lot of her fights. It's like, you know, yeah, she might get a takedown one round and absolutely dominate and, and you know almost choke the person out. But then if she does that, then we know her cardio is completely zapped for the next two rounds. And then she's going to, I mean, we know the camp that she really comes from, you know, I know she lives in a, lives in America these few years, but we know where her base camp, where she, uh, where she was really formed at. And that's Novo Niao. And we know what happens when, uh, when those Novo Niao people get tired, man, they turn into mummies. Her last fight, she was able to still pull it out, but I mean, she got floored hard by Angela Hill, but Angela Hill, just consistently makes that mistake of uh, kind of gassing out herself and not doing too much, man. And I feel, I really feel like, you know, that was a, a big letdown on Hill spot. And, and it's just more of a drop off on Gedalia. I mean, look, this girl was clear cut top five. Then she took that loss to Nina Androff. Got some takedowns in that fight, but on the feet, just standing there like a mummy. And it's sad because she's actually got power in her hands. It's just uh you know, it's the cardio thing, you know, and, and she gets deterred a lot. You know, the, the Novo Niao, I mean, when things don't go their way and they're tired, they they, they get sunk. But, you know, Yan Chaonan, I, I, you know, the last few performances, I honestly don't feel like those are her best, but I honestly feel like she just really didn't feel that threatened. I, I feel like this particular fight, they're going to come in very prepared. You know, her coaching staff at a China-type team, they went out to Alpha Mill. 
for this camp, you know, did the training camp with Song Yadong and Faber and all those guys. And I just feel like, you know, the the Chinese athletes, I, I, I sense a, a different level of preparation, you know, with like her and, and Wiley. I feel like the team has a has a, a very specific game plan of what they want to do. And the game plan here is going to be to hit and run. She's definitely going to have to stuff those takedowns. But, you know, I heard she's been training with Sarah McMahon and, uh, you know, um, this other girl, I forget. But, you know, I, I hear she's been working on her wrestling and I think she's going to stuff the takedowns, man. I feel like at, at distance, she's going to touch Gedalia up with the volume, you know, make the sounds. You know, she's got different versions of striking games. She can point. She can be aggressive. You know that she lands a lot of significant strikes. There's a lot of damage. I mean, you see these girls' faces after uh, Yan and fights them. I mean, they got to get like orbital surgeries and, and shit like that. But it's gonna be—it's it, definitely a possibility. It could be a tough fight, but I, I think she can win those tough fights. I think she's tough, and I think she's gonna at least win two of these three rounds. Look, it's definitely a chance Gadelia gets a takedown, but I just don't think she can maintain, uh, you know, her cardio in the grappling for three rounds. You know, I feel like she can maybe do it for one round. But, uh, you know, I feel like Anzana, and if she keeps this fight standing, she can really deter Gedalia with the damage that she's going to inflict and, and, you know, win a decision here. But uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, how often do you see women uh, in the strawweight division or just in any division coming out here and throwing sidekicks to the face? And, I mean, that's what Yan Zhaonan brings to the table. She's she's mean, man. And I've been on this train uh, since day one. I mean, you guys remember the Max Beck uh, Shaq and I cashed uh, against Kylan Curran. I've better every single fight since. And I- I'm riding this train until the wheels fall off, man. I feel like uh, here with Claudia Gadelia, listen, Claudia has definitely established herself in the division. And you have to be a certain level to go out there and beat someone like Claudia Gadelia. Like, not just any random person is going to come out here and beat Claudia. And, and I feel like uh, Yan Zhaonan catching her at the perfect time. Like, she's kind of paid her dues in the UFC and, you know, mix that in with Claudia Gadelia's decline. And this is this is the recipe for coming out here and defeating her and getting the biggest win of her career. Obviously, I'm concerned about, you know, the jiu-jitsu black belt of Claudia Gadelia. I think she might get a takedown or two. But if she cannot get a submission here, I think the next round starts on the feet. And I think uh, it's going to be even harder to get the takedowns from there on out. And um, I see uh, Yan Jana coming out here as long as she doesn't get submitted. And listen, Claudia, she's definitely a black belt in jiu-jitsu. She's only submitted one person in the UFC, Carolina. But that that doesn't mean she can't do it here. You know, we have seen some openings that uh, Yan Zhaonan leaves on the mat. So maybe Claudia can uh, can capitalize. But if that does not happen here, I see Yan Zhaonan uh, picking her apart. And people try to act like Claudia Gadelia lost that last fight against Hill, as if uh, that fight against Hill was the most rigged uh, judges' uh, decision since the U.S. election. And I just disagree, Shaq. I, I, I felt like uh, every time I watched that fight, I still score the first and third round for Claudia. I and scored even it. The- I scored it live. I scored it live for Claudia. I didn't even. I wasn't even. Uh, I was pretty confident she won. Even the round where she got dropped, I felt like she was winning the entire round until she got dropped. So I honestly uh, felt like Claudia Gadelia won most of the minutes in that fight. Did Did Angela have moments? Yes, but I feel like people need to take their fan cap off for Angela and kind of judge that fight objectively. I like Angela Hill too, but Claudia won that fight. But that makes no difference here. I see Ann Jonan coming out here with a different level of ferocity and lighting up Claudia Gadelia, getting the biggest win of her career and being one step closer to the China versus China showdown for a title fight uh, against Wiley Zhang. So I'm rolling with Yan Jonan here. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a showdown between Ian Heine, she's 14-3, and three, and Brendan Allen is 15-3. and three. Currently, they got Ian Heine minus 110, Brendan Allen minus 110. So, Shaq, it's a dead pick. Um, 
Uh, it opened a dead pick um, The line really hasn't moved. Uh, I know people are going on both sides. Uh, wh- where do you stand on this one? Man, I actually think uh, Allen might have opened a favorite. But, you know, uh, it's, a good, it's a good matchup. Look, Brandon Allen, to be honest, like this dude's uh, – he, he's impressed me. He, like, you know, coming into his debut against Kevin Holland at the time, I thought it was uh, – I thought it was a little bit too much. I mean, Brennan had, you know, took an L's to Fluffy Hernandez on the local scene, her, uh, Eric Anders, some other guys, Trevin Giles. And, you know, you got to you can't forget that, you know, he was a young kid at the time, very young, because, you know, when he fought Kevin Holland, he finished him at 23 years old, which is, you know, very, very impressive to do that at 23. And ran through Tom Breeze in less than a round, very impressive to do. And, uh, his last fight with Kyle Dacus, you know, that was kind of a, a tricky spot because it was sh- a short notice uh, replacement. I think he was supposed to fight Heinrich that night. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Heinrich had the injury and Dacus stepped in. And, you know, Brendan, definitely the third round was a, a, a little, uh, I don't want to say sketch. I mean, my, you know, might have lost that round. But th- those spot, those type of fights are tricky, man, because, you know, you're kind of risking everything uh, to fight this no-name guy that no one's ever heard of, man. So, but uh, Brandon Allen, man, he's impressed me. Ian Heinish, to be honest, like at one point I was very high on him. But uh, and I, I think he's a solid fighter. But man, as far as this fight goes, I'm gonna go ahead and say like I think that Brandon Allen, you know, might honestly not just win this fight, but I honestly think he might even be a contender in the middleweight division, man. I'm not saying he's going to win a title, but I think I can see him in the top 10. I'm not sure if he's ranked or or anything yet, but uh, I can see this guy in the top 10, man, fighting these guys. He's so, he's so young, very experienced. He's, you know, all in. I mean, the kid's got a good mindset. He's a family man. And just like the, the, the way he moves forward and in the weakness of him, you know, his striking is a, he's kind of slow a little bit. And Ian Heinrich definitely has that big right hand, but I see so in, in pretty much all of Ian's fights, so many opportunities where a guy like Brennan Allen could take advantage of man. It's like, you know, this Carlos jr. Fight. I don't know how many times he got taken down, but it was more than five minutes. And it's not just, you know, he's got a good get up game and he, and he can get back up, but I think that Brennan Allen is a little stronger than guys like Carlos Jr. and might even have a, a little better top control. And Brennan goes to his back, but I haven't seen a middleweight that fights off his back as good as Brennan Allen in a in a pretty long time, man. And I've been trying to watch if he can maintain his cardio, and, and he does a, a pretty good job for the most part. So to be honest, man, I like Ian Heinish, but I've seen too many times in these fights, whether it be against Cesar Mutanchi or uh, Carlos Jr., Omari Akhmedov, uh, where he can get out grappled and he tries to do these uh, those flips and those rolls to get out of it. And I, and I think uh, that's a bad technique to use here in this fight. You know, I feel like his path to victory, you know, maybe uses footwork, but I feel like he, he kind of gets tired on the feet a little bit, you know, as well. You know, I saw Omari Akhmedov kind of outstrike him, you know, those two rounds. Derek Brunson also, those are, you know, top 10 guys. But I, I feel like Brennan Allen, now that he's, uh, you know, he's not at Rufus Sport anymore, you know, he's actually training at uh, Hard Knocks. I honestly feel like if the striking catches up to the uh, to the uh, grappling, man, that this guy could actually be a problem in the division. And, I'll, and I'm going to pick him for the win here. I, I think he's better than Ian Heinish as of currently. And I think he's the uh, the better fighter. You know, Ian, uh, you know, long term. And, I, you know, Ian had that nice uh, win over Brendan's teammate, uh, Gerald Mershard, his last fight. But, look, Brent, Gerald Mershard, eh. 
you know, I like the guy, but he, you know, he ain't a, he probably won't be in the UFC here too much. Uh, I mean, he's asking for rematches with Chemayev and shit. You know what I'm saying? But like, for real? Yeah. <laughs> you I know, didn't I saw, see that. I saw an article out there. Oh, but, man. You know, uh, but, you know, I, I think Brendan Allen with this camp change, I actually have a feeling it might be a very good thing. He's actually training with Brunson, who uh, beat Heinish. Um, Heinish is a tough, a tough customer. But I just feel like his weakness in that grappling man is going to get exploited once again here, and uh, and I think Brendan gets the win. This is a really tough fight for me to call for a lot of reasons. Look, I've definitely felt like Brendan Allen has been very impressive in his UFC run. He's been rising to the occasion, and I always said that you know back on the regional scene when he was like a purple belt and a brown belt, his style wouldn't work as well because you need to be a black belt to to you know, implement the kind of game that Brendan Allen brings to the table. Now he is a black belt. Now he's 3-0 and in the UFC, and, you know, I cashed on him against Tom Breeze. He did a great job there. But, man, Ian Heinish has a way with these black belts. It's interesting. It's like he'll give up terrible positions in that first half of the fight, but people, you know, get so worked up and so tired trying to get him out of there that then they have nothing left, and then he goes out there and he tees off on you in the second half of the fight. And I can see a similar situation happening here. Look, I definitely think there's a possibility that Allen takes his back, chokes him out in the first round, fight might be over shortly after, uh, that kind of ordeal. But that doesn't happen, man. I could see Brendan Allen dominating the first round. I see the second round being kind of close, and I see Ian Heinish winning that third round. So I think the second round is going to be the swing round here. I mean, we saw in that Carlos Jr. fight, and I think that Brendan Allen projects to be better than Carlos Jr., but I also think Carlos Jr. is a, is a higher-level black belt than Brendan Allen at this point. And... Uh, man, he, Carlos Jr. was doing no submitting of Ian Heinish, and he wasn't even, you know, holding him down, uh, you know, past a certain point in that fight. So I kind of see Ian Heinish kind of coming back in this fight if he does not get submitted in the first seven minutes. That's a huge if. It could happen. It could definitely happen. Brent Allen's a very potent finisher. But, man, I, I think that Ian Heinish can outpace him in the later going. So it's going to come down to the second round. The second round is going to be the swing round. I'm going to slightly edge Ian Heinish to kind of edge out a very close 29-28 type decision here and uh, hand Brendan Allen his first uh, UFC defeat. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Hayoni Barcelos. He's 15-1, and and Kali Taha is 13-2. and Currently, they got Hayoni Barcelos. Minus 365, the comeback on Kali Taha is plus 305. So listen, I got to give Kali Taha a lot of credit. He's definitely surpassed my expectations, especially since he dropped down to Bantamweight. He's been going out there. He's been doing his thing. He's a very heavy hitter for that division. I know he popped for his last fight, but if you look at his IG, uh, he's still doing whatever he was doing, man, because he does not look like a USADA victim. He does not look soft. He's going to come out here and uh, throw big bombs like he always does. But man, in my power rankings, I got Hayoni Barcelos in the top 10 right now. I think Hayoni Barcelos is one of the best fighters at Bantamweight. I think he should be ranked top uh, 10 or top 15 as we speak. And I know he's a little bit up there in age, but to me that just means that there's no time to waste. He's got to get down to business right away. And I've heard, you know, stories of boxers talking about how Hayoni Barcelos went to this boxing gym and they were like, hey, this uh, this MMA guy can box because, you know, boxers don't respect uh, – the, the striking of MMA guys, and they were talking about how, hey, this guy can box too, and then you take it a step further. He's also, I believe, a jiu-jitsu world champion black belt, so the guy is super well-rounded, and look, I think that he can hang with Kali Taha on the feet. Do I think that, you know, that's the recommended path? I mean, no, because that gives Kali Taha a chance to win, but I still, I don't think he's outmatched. Like, look, if this was Jack Shore versus Kali Taha, the original matchup, I would say Jack Shore has to get this fight to the mat because Kali Taha might spark him standing. 
I don't think Kylie Taha is going to spark Barcelo standing. I think Barcelo can more than hold his own on the feet. But if Barcelo wants to make this an easy fight, I really think this is a one takedown and the fight could be over shortly after situation. And I think that I've seen guys like Bruno Silva hold down Kali Taha for an entire round. I've seen guys like Nad Naramani hold down Kali Taha. I think as soon as uh, Barcelos takes his back or gets him on the mat, he will go out there and get that submission. So I'm going to go with Hani Barcelos via first round sub. Yeah, man. You know, I think uh, Kali Taha, he's definitely got a good doctor out there in Germany or. <laughs> Uh, you know, I know he's boys with the with the Azatar brothers. I know they corner him. So, you know, you know, there's a there's a chance that the Azatar brothers are threatening Hione, uh, you know, backstage and shit like that. But, you know, I feel like, uh, look, I think Khalid Taha, honestly, I'm not going to say he's overrated, but I think, you know, I see a lot of people saying that this Barcelos line, you know, is a little high and, and it's getting. Uh, but I think this this is bro, like, look. Yeah, his striking as of his last two fights looks really good because he fought, you know, no chin Boston Salmon and, uh, you know, uh, Bruno Silva, a flyweight who striking sucks. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Bruno, two guys that uh, is Bruno Silva probably it won't be in the, three in the UFC. Exactly. Two guys that won't be in the UFC and um, one is already not in the UFC and Bruno won't be in the UFC. So, you know, uh, I feel like, yeah, his striking can look really good when he just throws a, a straight right-left foot combo against a dude with nothing coming back who, you know, looks like a ghost. But I feel like Hione Barcelos has better boxing than Taha. Yeah, I think he's better than Taha in every single aspect of the game. The only way Taha can win this fight is by uh, a knockout, you know, a lucky punch. Uh, and I feel like Barcelos is faster, has faster hands than him, better combinations. All we've seen from Taha is a quick little one, you know, uh, you know, a straight right, left hook, you know, against Boston Salmon for 12 seconds. Who, I mean, I don't know if you've been paying attention uh, recently, Dan, but Boston Salmon, but Boston Salmon gets knocked out every single fight. I mean, that's just the honest, uh, that's just the facts about it. Uh, Bruno Silva, like we said, 0-3 uh, in the UFC. I mean, Bruno Silva's out here going to split decisions with guys on one with one leg, and that's just, and that's a fact. So uh, <laughs> I got a Hione Barcelos by vicious domination here. I think Khalid Taha, um, you know, if I this ain't going to be like a Sean Strickland, Jack Marshman, and Strickland, you know, won the stand-up as well. But, you know, we were kind of hoping that he, uh, you know, would just take the easy route and go for the submission. I, I, this has the Houchin fight written all over it to me. I feel like Hione, you know, will play with him on the feet for a minute or two. And uh, the second we grab that single leg, like, like Nad Naramani did on uh, Khalid Taha, like Bruno Silva did for an entire second round and even the third round until he got completely gassed and, you know, had to tap out. Uh, I see Hione Barcelo submitting uh, Khalid Taha within two rounds. So, you know, after this fight, they need to get my boy Hione that real step up and get him that matchup because my boy is he is old and we need we don't have much time to waste. You know, we need to get up to this uh, top five here pretty fast. For sure. Co-main event of the evening in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between the former champion Andre Arlovsky, he's 29 and 19, and Tanner Bozer is 19 and 6. Currently, they got Tanner Bozer minus 290. The comeback on Andre Arlovsky is plus 245. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think Tanner Bozer is Canada's top prospect right now. Him and Hakeem Duadu, I think they're waving the flag for Canada right now because I know uh, – Charles Jordan and TJ Laramie sure as hell ain't doing that right now, but no, no offense. I'm just kidding. But look, it's got to be Tanner Bozer and Hakeem Duwadu right now. They're the top Canadian prospects, and 
the whole thing with Andre Arlovsky with his resurgence or whatever you want to call it, it's kind of like a thing where the question's always been, if you don't knock him out, what happens? Because he kind of has a way with these decisions. Not not every fight, but some of these fights, he's been able to squeak out a couple decisions. The thing with that here, though, is that Tanner Bozer can not only match him on the output, but he can surpass the volume. And also, Tanner Bozer, I think, is the faster guy. So all those advantages that you know Andre has against guys like Big Ben and Stefan Struve, I don't think he's got that here, man. I think that Tanner Bozer is the faster guy. I think he throws at a higher pace. I think Tanner Bozer can win the decision. But honestly, I think he can knock out Arlovsky too. So I'm going to roll with Canada's own Tanner Bozer. I've been very impressed with him. He's very solid in the heavyweight division. I think he's going to get the biggest win of his career. You already know, a win over Arlovsky works wonders for one's career. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen Saturday night. I got Tanner Bozer defeating the former champion Arlovsky. Yeah, you know, this is... uh... An interesting one to me because, you know, Bosers, he's been dropping the pounds, and, and I like when heavyweights do that, you know, when they drop the weight. Uh, and, you know, he's been looking – he's a very smart – I actually disagree on the volume take. I know it, it would seem like that on, uh, you know, based on his last two fights, but I'm not convinced that he throws enough uh, for, you know, at least from a betting perspective. Of, what is it, minus 300, minus 280, 90, some, somewhere around there, uh, you know. Like, I think he's, you know, trending in there. And he's going to be my pick to win this fight. I think he's younger, hungrier. And Arlovsky, you know, just at best, like, he's, you know, can eke out a decision. You know, it's not like you're going to, you know, get, I mean, how many of his last, besides Rosenstrike, I mean, pretty much most of his fights are going to decision these days, right? So, uh, at worst, you know, the worst he can do is eke out a win, try to weasel a decision. Um, it's just... I'm not honestly ready to jump on the Tanner Bozer train yet. I think he's good, but I do think this is a big uh, a step up. I mean, Rafael Pozo is complete trash, and uh, Felipe Lins, you know, I don't know. I mean, look, Felipe Lins, for coming from PFL, I guess, it, you know, PFL and the UFC are just uh, two completely different things, and, you know, we can't forget that Arlovsky, you know, beat Felipe Lins as well. But, you know, Bozer is definitely quick, a, a faster heavyweight, you know, I, I just don't think it should be minus 275. I would say, like, you know, minus 200, minus 190. Like, Bozer's good, but this is definitely a step up. And sometimes these dudes have a tendency. The guys that I feel like are better than Bozer have kind of, you know, uh, struggled with them a little bit, you know, like Sakai or, uh, you know, uh, Walt Harris or some other guys, uh, Tybora. But, you know, I, I do feel like Bozer's younger, hungrier and uh, should make, you know, some smart decisions in there. I, I am worried that he doesn't throw, I, throw enough to make this a possible we, in weasel range for Arlovsky, but uh, we'll see, man. I, I'll pick Bozer for the win, but I, I'm not saying dog or pass, but I do think 280, 90 is a stretch, but we'll see. Main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Tiago Maheda Santos, he's 21-7, and seven, and Glover Teixeira is 31-7. and seven. Currently, they got Maheda minus 240. The comeback on Glover is plus 200. So, like I said at the beginning of the show, Tiago Maheda, he's got the second most knockouts in UFC history, you know, right up there with Anthony Rumble and Vitor Belfort. He gets a knockout here. He takes the number one spot. 
And Glover Teixeira, not only does he have the most submissions in light heavyweight history, he's tied with, you know, Misha Sarkunov, who he finished in the first round, uh, Ovin St. Preux, who he submitted, Paul Craig, and even the great Johnny Bones Jones. But he's also got the most finishes in light heavyweight history. So he comes out here, wins this fight inside the distance. He extends that record. And, man, uh, just a hell of a fight. So, listen, I, I mean, I respect the, the boxing of Glover Teixeira as well, but I think that... You know, standing with a guy like Tiago Maheda. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's been caught in the past before, and sometimes he fights with his hands down and doesn't respect these guys. But I think Glover's going to want to get this to the mat. I think Tiago is going to want to keep this standing. The line says minus 240 Tiago, so they're pretty confident Tiago's just going to come out here and knock him out. But I think that that line kind of has something to do with, you know, the rub he got from going to split with John Jones. I see this as a different matchup. How do you view it? Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very good matchup. You know, like you said with the John Jones thing, he's my, they, you know, there's a, he's minus two forty because uh, he went to split. But I will say, man, two, two oh five Tiago Santos is definitely uh, a lot better than one hundred eighty five pounds. I mean, that performance against Blackovich, the way he set that up, I mean, he definitely, you know. Didn't have any, uh, you know, Maheda was kind of known at 85 for just these, like, kind of, like, similar to Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Like, dude, what the hell did you just do? <laughs> like, you know, like, like, what was that? Like, how'd you, why'd you drop your hands against Dave Branch? Why'd you get tapped out by Eric Spicely? Why'd you let Uriah Hall outwork you, you know? Uh, you know, but, uh, hey, I think at 205, he's definitely performing better. And, man, I, I suck at picking Glover to share fights because – you know, you always want to say, you know, these, these big age gaps he's got, you know, it's like you expect one of these young guys to to go out there and get the win against him. But uh, we know that Glover's ground game, man, is as good as it gets. We know when he gets a, I mean, like, let's just go ahead and say here to here. I mean, if he gets on top of Tiago Santos, <laughs> we might as well just go ahead and uh, get up and walk away from the TV because it's just like, oh, fuck it. It's over. I think his ground game's honestly that good, man. I think that when he gets on top of these dudes, that third degree strength is just a different game. And we've seen Maheda, you know, uh, struggle with that. But on the feet, there's definitely no questions who's the faster guy. The, the uh, Glover Teixeira, I mean, gets rocked and damn near pretty much every single fight, I mean, to the brink. But he's able to just hold on. He's very strong mentally. Um, <clears throat> man, is this based off the John Jones performance? And personally, man... You know, live, I thought it was like 3-2, but honestly, when I went back and watched it, I kind of thought it was kind of a little bit more wider for uh, John, John, John Jones. But, uh, I mean, I guess, like, John Jones kind of does get hit with unnecessary shots here and there, but I don't think he was really hurt from him that much. But, uh, you know, I, I think Jones won that fight somewhat comfortably. But um, I, I think Tiago Santos, if he plays this smart, should come out here and get the win and be, you know, the the faster guy, the left kick to the body, left kick upstairs. But, man, Glover Teixeira kind of scares me. That, that's just me personally, man. This dude's ground game, like I said, I mean, it, it's a big it's a big edge in this fight, man. I'm telling you, like, this dude, how many times have we seen it? This guy get counted out, and then the second he, he submitted, uh, he ground and pounded Misha Serkinov, the Ian Kudalaba comeback, the uh, – the, um, the Ovin St. Prue fight back in the day. I know you remember when he KO'd Ryan Bader stiff. Um, 
Usually when he loses, it's by first round at KO. And, you know, it's funny because Corey Anderson, uh, Corey Anderson uh, wobbled him too. So that's a big thing. But I'm going to lean Tiago Santos. But I honestly think it could be lined a little bit closer, like maybe minus 165, minus 170 Mahata Santos. But, uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to go with Mahata Santos. I think he does finally get to Glover to share his chin early. I just think he's going to be too explosive, too powerful. And uh, Glover Teixeira, I mean, he's been prone to those uppercuts several times in the past, and Mahato's got quite the uppercut on him. I mean, the the Gustafson fight, the Anthony Johnson fight, uh, it's uh, the Kudalaba fight before he uh, got submitted. So I'm going to go with uh, Mahato Santos, but I, I might have to say it's a darker pass. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the age gap, and it's only five years here between the two. I mean, Tiago Mahato's like 36 years old, uh, maybe 37, and – so the age gap is only five years, whereas, you know, you look at a fight between like Glover and Krilov and it, I believe it was like 10 plus years or like, you know, uh, Glover and Kutalaba, like 10 plus year age gap. So the age gap's definitely shortened up in this fight for sure. And I do agree with you. It's a dogger pass situation. It's just that uh, with Tiago Maheda, you know, I wouldn't criticize his technique at all, but it's more of his explosiveness uh, and, you know, his athleticism than it is his technique. Like that, that fight against Jack Hermanson, let's be honest, he just bum-rushed Jack Hermanson, like, you know, w- without a care in the world. And sometimes that kind of stuff will, will bite him in the ass, like in that Dave Branch fight where he literally felt so unthreatened by Dave Branch that he fights him with his hands down, then he gets caught. These are four-ounce gloves. So Glover could catch him as well. But I think Glover needs to come out here and shoot immediately and get this guy down. The reason that John Jones wasn't out here, you know, making it easier for himself is because you know john jones has a huge ego you know john jones likes to beat guys at their own game so john jones thought to himself hey this is the best uh striker in the division i'm gonna outstrike him for five rounds you know and i scored that five four to one for john jones by the way i'm not sure what that one judge was seeing i guess when you know people make it closer against the goat you know that they uh they they score it kind of biased but uh, you know, and also about the injury, I'm curious because like the last four rounds we saw Tiago Maheda competing, he was hobbling on one leg. So I just want to see how he recovers, if he's the same, if he's back to normal, you know, because those surgeries are serious. But we have seen uh, guys come back uh, better, you know, guys like Brian Ortega. He had the ACL surgery. You saw a guy like Sean Strickland coming off a motorcycle accident. Both those guys dominated their fight. So I'm not going to put too much stock into the surgery. Um, I'm just going to put stock into the ground game, man. I truly believe if Glover Teixeira takes his back one time, and speaking of taking my head as back, like we don't got to talk about the Spicely fight because, you know, we can make an excuse, oh, that was a middleweight. What about at 205 against my boy, your boy, Eric Anders? You know, Eric takes the fight on Monday of fight week. You know, he takes the fight on Monday. The fight is on Saturday. Eric goes out there. Not only does he take him down six times, Shaq, he got to the back, you know, pretty comfortably. And, you know, uh, I think Eric's got a solid ground game, but I also think that, you know, Glover's actually a black belt here. So I think Glover gets in a similar spot, man, and the fight might be over shortly after. So, listen, as long as Glover doesn't get knocked out, he's winning this fight. But there is a big chance he does get knocked out because, like I said a couple times already, Tiago has got the – the second most knockouts in UFC history. He is a knockout machine through and through. Glover's been wobbled and been knocked out many times. And he's been knocked out by soft hitters too, like Alexander Gustafsson. Um, and I think that my head uh, definitely hits a lot harder than that. So he's got, he's got <laughs> to be know, careful. Some, you, know, some, you know, somebody's going to take offense to that. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, I don't give a fuck. They were picking fucking Gustafsson at minus 400 against Wardoom. So cry me a fucking river. You know what I'm saying? But listen. Like I said, if Glover wants to stand and bang with Tiago, I, I mean, he might have success, but like that's really rolling the dice. That's playing Russian roulette. But if he wants to come out here and really make it easy, 
or make it you know easier, should I say. Take this guy down. And as far as the Gustafsson fight, Gustafsson actually has better takedown defense than my head. Gustafsson's kind of hard to take down, so Glover was kind of forced to stand with him. Yeah, but, I went. I mean, Anthony Smith's out here taking him. <laughs> I mean, listen, uh, didn't Gus take uh, Jones down the first fight? <laughs> he was the first yeah, man after, in UFC I, history to take Jones yeah, down. After he was, you know, sniffing coke out of chick's asses and <laughs> yeah, you know. Nothing's changed. <laughs> but, uh, but listen, it, it really, when, when I'm having this much trouble picking, you got to lean with the plus 200 dog. So I'm going to lean with Glover to, I, I'm going to lean with Tiago in terms of like he should be the favorite. But as far as like a bet is concerned, it'd be Glover or pass in the spot. So I'll go with Glover. I say he comes out here, takes him down, submits him, and uh, makes it five wins in a row. Maybe he might be up there for a title shot against Jan Blakovich uh, versus uh, Israel Adesanya winner. So we'll see what happens. Now, uh, Shaq, uh, let's talk about some of these prelims, man, because we got uh, in the Bantamweight division, we got Gustavo Lopez. He's 11 and five. He's welcoming back Anthony Burchak to the UFC, who's 15 and six. And currently they got uh, Anthony Burchak minus 125. The comeback on Gustavo Lopez is plus 105. So, Shaq, uh, Anthony Burchak finished out his four fight contract in the UFC, even won his last fight. But they were like uh, they're like Jonah Hill cut, cut. You know what I mean? They had enough. And um he actually went on to lose his next two fights in Japan, by the way. And now he's on a three-fight win streak. You know, he beat a couple hand-picked opponents, guys that would never uh, see a UFC opportunity in their lives. No disrespect. It's just the reality. He's back in the UFC now. Um, this is a tough fight to call, man, because Gustavo Lopez, listen, it's definitely a step down from Marab, no questions asked. But uh, at the same time, both these guys are kind of around the same level. I'm going to slightly lean towards Gustavo Lopez. I think he's got more to prove here. I think Anthony Burchak already had his his UFC opportunity. But look, Anthony Burchak's an experienced guy. I mean, I know you remember when he beat Ryan Benoit back on, I think it was the MFC scene back in Canada. They had like a fight of the night. I know you remember when he knocked out Joe Soto in the first round. So Anthony Burchak's done some things against some UFC vets. I think Gustavo Lopez is probably the hungrier guy at this point. So as long as he, you know, avoids some of the quote-unquote slick grappling of Burchak, I think he might be able to come out here and win. Yeah, man, I actually remember I bet on him uh, to beat uh, Joe Soto back in the day. I know he was underdog money. I can't remember exactly what it was, but, you know, uh, that was definitely a big knockout. And then he beat Delano Lopez by uh, split decision. I actually think I bet on Delano Lopez in that fight, too. And uh, he got cut. So, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think Gustavo, yeah, he might not be that good in general, but I think he's got a good guillotine. You know, uh, he, uh, I think he's one of Car- uh, Brian Caraway's, like, you know, uh, buddies from uh, back home, wherever they're from. And, you know, he's definitely got a, a good choke game, a lot of wins by guillotine. Uh, and I feel like Burchek definitely has got some good wrestling, but, you know, he leaves his chin up in the air. Uh, not the best chin. Not saying Gustavo is, but I, I, I feel like this will be a fight where, you know, it'll probably be 50-50, but Gustavo, I see him probably catching a guillotine somewhere along the point or just being in better shape, uh, you know, with Burchak on short notice, so. I'll never forget when Burchak cost me uh, the first leg of my parlay uh, when he fought um, Ian Entwistle, the leg lock guy. It's like, you know, the one thing you got to avoid is the fucking leg lock. And he got leg locked. Uh, That was like, that was a huge disappointment because he was coming in there with all that hype from the MFC. You know, I think he might have even been the MFC champion when he beat uh, Ryan Benoit. And that was a big letdown. So maybe I'm a little biased, but I remember, uh, I remember we interviewed him before his fight with Thomas Almeida and, yeah, you got he me sold us on that shit. Yeah, he was like, I'm going to knock. He was like, Thomas has fought all cab drivers. <laughs> he was like, he's been fighting hand-picked opponents. I'm going to knock him out. <laughs> like, 
you know, and he ended up getting knocked out. So he was super confident. I remember yeah. that as well. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Max Griffin. He's fifteen and eight, and Ramiz Brahimaj is eight and two. Currently, they got. Max Griffin minus one forty. The comeback on Ramiz Brahimaj is plus one twenty. Shaq, I know you've been picking against Max Griffin a lot. You successfully cash out Alex Barano. This is uh now he's welcoming a, U- a newcomer to the UFC. So this isn't you know the same experienced opponent he's been fighting all these past fights. You think experience prevails for Max Griffin, or are you kind of like uh, let's fade him again? Mm, man, like to be honest. You know, I have shat on Max in the past, but uh, man, like I want to pick this kid he's fighting. What's his name? Uh, Ramiz from Fortis, but I just I don't know, man. Like I just haven't seen enough. <laughs> like I think he's got some good takedowns, some good subs. Um, it's just that Griffin's, you know, I don't think Griffin's very good, but you know, he is strong. He does have some good uh, uh, underrated wrestling. I'd say he gets, you know, quite a bit of takedowns in his fights as well. I would just say Griffin's biggest issue is I think it's more of a, uh, a health thing. I think he cuts a lot of weight and I think he hits a wall in his fights and, you know, uh, he gasses out and, and he is fighting good competition, man. I mean, Griffin, it ain't like he's out here taking, uh, easy fights, but the Zaleem Amadaya fight, you know, I would, that fight was very ugly and it was kind of an alarming thing to me. I just felt like he looked extremely like just, you know, and he looks older coming into this fight and the signs kind of point to Ramiz, like maybe, you know, you know, should take the stab on him. He does, he is a finisher, but man, and some of Ramiz's fights like against Evan Cuts, I don't, I don't know if anyone remembers Evan Cuts, uh, he was on, you remember Bellator had like a, a tough version back in the day? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I forget what the show was called, but they had like their own. It was like Greg Jackson, Joe Warren, uh, you know, some other dudes. But uh, Evan Cuts was, he lost to Joe Riggs, you know, and Evan Cuts was like a, a workman. like hey, Fight master. Yeah, fight master. Yeah, there we go. Fucking, uh, and Evan Cuts lost to Joe Riggs in the finals, but Evan Riggs was, uh, Joe, uh, Evan Cuts was like the underdog of the season. You know, he's not very good, but he's just a, a tough workman. And I mean, this kid broke Ramiz. I mean, Ramiz hit a wall and completely gassed out after one round. I feel like Ramiz, it could be a thing where, you know, if he gets more mature, more experienced, maybe he can maintain his grappling cardio but from what i've seen this kid gasses out a lot after he grapples you know if he can't get that submission max griffin uh seems to have a pretty good ground game but i mean when you're out here losing to tiago alves and and, and you know barely beating zaleem look i'm a slightly lean griffin i i do think that my gut tells me the experience is probably going to be too much. I mean, this dude lost to Justin Patterson not too long ago, but unless he's leveled up, and there's a good chance Ramiz has. I mean, Fortis is a good camp. Uh, there's a chance he's definitely gotten a lot better. He's young. Um, and, but until I see it, you know, I, I'll slightly lean Griffin. But, you know, from a betting perspective, I, I'd stay away from Griffin, man. I, I think that he's – I don't want to say he's not UFC level. Well, he's not UFC level in my opinion. I just think he's excited. He's still here because he's very exciting. You know he comes to fight. We know that he's uh, not going to come out here to lay on anybody. You know, he gave, you know, Covington, Elizu, all those dudes good fights. Um, beat Mike Perry, you know, uh, Alex Oliveira, split decision. So I think that experience against those guys should give him a nod here. It's just uh, I, I couldn't play a guy like him at Chalk, man. 
Listen, I feel where you're coming from, man. Um, it's definitely hard to trust a guy like Max Griffin. It's also hard to trust uh, what we haven't seen in terms of the Ramiz Brachimaj side. You know, he also hasn't fought in a year. So I think, you know, a young kid like that, 27 years old, you could be making great improvements. He comes from a good gym uh, at Fortis MMA. He's also, you know, surrounded by good people. I know Bilal Muhammad's kind of taking him under his wing a little bit. So he's kind of being mentored by the right people. So hopefully he's doing the right things. I'm going to roll on the opposite side, man. I, I know that what we've seen on tape is kind of like first round sub or bust. If he doesn't finish guys in the first round, he tends to gas out because he's got such a like, you know, explosive takedown style and, you know, puts everything into, you know, trying to get that early uh, finish on the mat. But I think there's a good chance he does get that early finish on the mat here. I think if he can do it to anyone, it could be a guy like Max Griffin. But I, I know I feel where you're coming from. The experience experience counts for a lot. But, man, Max Griffin, like, I'm not seeing improvements, man. I'm not, you know, seeing evolution. I'm, I've just kind of seen him maintain. And like you said, the reason he's still in the UFC is just because he's always in exciting fights. And the reason why he's in, in exciting fights is because, you know, he gets hurt a lot. He gets dropped a lot. You know, a lot of these fights are back and forth. You, you don't often see Max Griffin go out there and dominate anybody. So, and it seems like also, you know, he does get wobbled a lot standing. It seems like he's trying to, you know, play into more of a clinch type game these days. And you start doing that against Brahimaj, you're right in his world. So I'm going to go with Ramiz Brahimaj to get the upset in his UFC debut, get his first UFC win. And then we can make talks about, uh, you know, stuff at the betting window down the line in the next fight. But for this one, I'll go with Ramiz to get it done. Now, last but not least, in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Darren the Damage Elkins. He's 24-9. and nine, And Luis Eduardo Garagori is 13-1. and one. Currently, they got Darren Elkins minus 240. The comeback on Eduardo Garagori is plus 200. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. You know, Darren Elkins is a guy that, like, if I'm going to bet him, I like to bet him at, like, underdog odds because, you know, he, he does have a bit of a, you know, a way of coming back in, in some of these fights, whether it's, you know, the Mirsad Bektik fight when he came back or even the Michael Johnson fight. He lost the first round and goes in there and that second round submits him. But I actually bet on Nate Landwehr that last fight. Everyone says it was this big robbery. I, I disagree. It's one of those situations where Nate Landwehr – felt so unthreatened by by Darren Elkins that he's literally screaming, Dana, like every couple seconds, you know, and Darren Elkins' face is covered in blood, and it was 30-27 uh, on one of the scorecards there, man. Uh, I felt like Nate, Nate Landward definitely won that fight, but the difference here is that Eduardo Garagori doesn't have the best takedown defense. You know, he's one of these guys that comes from the Latin regional scene. He's from, um, he's from Uruguay specifically, and we already know the deal because we've talked about this many times. You know, a guy like Cheeto Vera – you compare him when he was training in Ecuador compared to now when he's training in the States, and it's a completely different guy. And in a fight like this where Elkins can get takedowns, that that's where I'm kind of concerned for Garagori, man. Look, I do think if Elkins doesn't shoot any takedowns, that Garagori's got a super hard body kick, and he might be able to light up Elkins, but... I don't see there being too much resistance on these takedowns. I mean, I saw a guy like Humberto Mandanai taking down uh, Gary Corey. So while I personally wouldn't lay minus 240 on Elkins, I like him better at dog odds. I, I still think he should be favored here, and I'll slightly edge him. But, man, he's on the decline for sure. And you know you know what happens when you're on the decline. You start losing the guys that you should have beat uh, back in the day. So maybe uh, Gary Gorey catches up. Maybe he's tightened up his takedown defense uh, since that last fight. But he hasn't moved to the States. He's still over there in Uruguay. I don't know how good the wrestling is over there, man. And, I mean, I know they don't got no D1 programs in Uruguay, man. So I'm going to go with Elkins to win this decision. You know, actually, my boy Gary Gorey, uh, I, saw, I looked at his IG. He's training at um, fucking Andre Dita uh, with – 
where Trinaldo and, you know, Neto BJJ and... Evolucia? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, where Bruno Blindau okay. and all of them train at. So he's in Brazil. That's a good sign. That's a step in the right direction. So, and uh, you know, he's working with that team now for this fight. Um, so he is trying to make a, you know, a, a stride forward. He got out of Uruguay, at least. You know what I'm saying? I actually saw he was at a, a Novo Uniao for uh, Jose Aldo's uh, training camp as well, along with uh, that, that French kid, too. Uh uh, for uh, what's his name? Fucking Ziam. Ziam, yeah, him. Uh, and Garagori were out there. I guess his punching bags for uh, Jose. You know, <laughs> so uh, you know, so uh, I think uh, this fight, yeah, man. Look, Garagori's takedown defense is complete shit. Ben and I took him down like four or five times. Um, but man, as a bet from a betting perspective, it's got to be Garagori or pass. Um, unless you're just very sure that he's not going to get up and when Elkins gets him down and there's a chance that that, that, that happens, you know, that, uh, I mean, Elkins, if he chooses to wrestle, he, he will get these takedowns. <laughs> it's just, uh, what I, where I can't bet Elkins, it's the health, it's the health kind of similar to, uh, like I was mentioning before, it's like, he gets cut super easily. I mean, if, if, uh, Garagori can fucking slice him open up from bottom, I mean, Elkins, I mean, they call him the damn, they don't call him the damage for no reason. I mean, this dude is barely hanging on in the health department in my eyes. I mean, you saw the amount of blood he lost his last, his last few fights, man. I mean, he's been, he's lost a lot of blood. And I mean, when things like that start happening, like you said, you start getting cut open to, to guys that, you know, couldn't even hold your jackstrap a couple years ago. And next thing you know, they're stopping the fight. So I feel like, uh, that's a, a good, a possibility outcome. Like that Elkins just like his face is going to get so fucking mashed up, like from anything, man, like an elbow, a straight, like and this fight possibly gets stopped. But if he, if he comes in here and fights smart and, you know, his job, might possibly be on the line. I mean, I know Elkins, we love Elkins and, but what is it for? He's on four L's in a row. Yeah. Um, um, but you know, those guys are completely a hundred times better than uh, Garrett Gorey. 100% no doubt. It's just that if Garrett Gorey's gotten better and can resist these takedowns, you know, uh, maybe a little bit, you know, to buy time until he can, you know, let go of that offense. Uh, we'll see, but you know, yeah, I'll pick Elkins. He probably will wrestle him, but, um, it's Garagori our pass, man. You got to see if Garagori can can uh, inflict this damage on the damage. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. And we're so not going to talk about my girl Sarah Morass? That, that fight got moved to a different card. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas 13? My fight to watch is going to be uh, – you know, the co-main event, because I, you know, Tanner Bozer, you know, he, he's on a, on a nice little win streak. He's got these two vicious uh, knockout wins. And I mean, look, if you can beat Andre Arlowski, you know where your career is headed to. I mean, you know, you know what happens when you beat Arlowski. That means, especially in the heavyweight division, his next fight might be a main event or, you know, uh, you know, something along those lines. So this is a big, big fight in Arlowski. If he gets this win, you know, we all, we all love when Andre turns back the clock and, and gets a, and gets a weasel to decision out there you know <laughs> i think uh you know that would be a good sight to see but it's really more so for bozer you know i want to see at this line how he performs against someone like arlaski who i consider a lot better than his last two opponents so uh you know that's my fight to watch for me my fight to watch is yan Nan versus claudia gadelia i mean this is the biggest step up in the career of uh, yan Nan. she passes this test like i said she's going to be right up there with wiley zhang for the china versus china title fight 
And if Claudia Gadelia wins this fight, she solidifies, she solidifies that, hey, I'm still a top five fighter in this division. You have to be a certain level to get past me. And it'll be three wins in a row. I know one or two more wins, she might be up there for a third title shot. So the winner of this fight is going to put themselves in a big, in a prime position in the strawweight ranking. So for that reason, Yan Jeanan versus Claudia Gadelia is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC on ESPN Plus 40? Uh, my fighter to watch is Yan Shaunan. I mean, look, this is a big step up in competition, a real, real name. Cody Gadelia, you know, has been there and done that. I mean, beating some of the best names in the division. And, you know, China, you know, my, if my boy Dana can get his hands on another Chinese star, he'll take it. You know, uh, <laughs> you know how they like to, you know, put these Chinese guys on their teams like Song Yadong. You know, you can't beat Song Yadong on the scorecards. I mean, there's a ch- <laughs> there's a chance there that that might be in factor here too. You know what I'm saying? I hope so. But, uh, you know, you know that Chinese market is huge, man. And you know they're looking to go back there when this Corona thing heals up. And what better to go back with with the the China versus China, you know, uh, title fight? Or and you know just Yan Chao Nan in general, man. We don't see too many chicks out here throwing the side kicks to the face. That type of you know, ferocity out there. And it, it would be a, a good sight to see if she got this win. I mean, there would be a new contender. I think we've seen kind of Gedalia already in the mix with most of these girls before. So, you know, it will give us a fresh face. So that's my fighter to watch. I'll definitely wake up at 4 a.m. for that China versus China uh, title fight showdown and pay full price 100%. For me, my fighter to watch is Hione Barcelos, man. I mean, look, like I told you all, he's top 10 in my power rankings at Bantamweight. He's not even ranked officially. And I want to see him come out here and have a dominant performance. You know, no no sketchy moments. Don't get dropped and then come back. I want to see him come out here, dominate from start to finish, and then work his way to, to a big fight in the rankings. And I think he comes out here, gets the performance that I'm thinking he has, and he will be in that position. So for that reason, Hione Barcelos is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. Glory to share of us, Tiago Santos. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. They can subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Make sure you all go to manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20, all caps, BATTLE20, for 20% off and free shipping. And you send a screenshot that you use that, co- that code, uh, BATTLE20, and we'll match it with a Best Fight Picks package. So make sure you all do that at manscaped.com. Also, hit us up at bestfightpicks.com for the plays. And uh, Shaq, uh, we'll speak very soon. So everybody, until the next time, let's cash these bets.